Hi and welcome to Thought Garden. I'm Rachel and it's really great to have you listening. I hope this episode has you thinking or gives you something to ponder while you wander at least. Now I'll keep this clean but my other half often says that assumption is the mother of all beep ups. I recall the cheesy management quote once about what assume makes of you and me and yet we make them all the time. It's like we can't help it. This week, I read something about Charles Darwin. Now think about that name and consider what you know of Charles Darwin or what you assume you know. Have you ever checked to find out if you're right? I assumed he may not have been very religious being a scientist. I assumed he studied the big stuff, the apes and some birds and you know larger mammals. I'm still learning about Charlie D, rest his soul, but what I find fascinating is that over the course of 40 years, he studied everything he could possibly imagine to study on the subject of earthworms. From how they reacted to different environments, to playing the music, I think it was a bassoon. I have to say, reading some of his words on this has shattered my own assumptions about these humble, lowly creatures that share my garden, the ones that make me go, ooh, when I touch one. Now, I walk a lot, as you can imagine, and I like seeing the fungi that grow on the trees and the ground when I'm out and about, particularly at this time of year, being autumn. And I've seen some spectacular displays. I saw one the other day I had to look up and it was crab of the forest. It was up in a tree and looked like a big yellow rosette. Now, I call it fungi because I've been using the word fungi interchangeably with mushrooms or toadstools, assuming that was correct. Then a learned friend of mine, thanks Tash, shared that the terms should not be interchangeable because mushrooms are actually the genitalia of fungi, the cap being full of spores. Let that sink in for a moment. The rest of the fungus living underground with this one part sticking out of the earth. So to call a fungi a mushroom is not unlike if we were to call a man a... uh, I promised the platforms this would be clean, but I'm sure you get my drift. Either way, if I were a fungi and you called me a mushroom, I would be insulted. Now, before any mycologists, which is a person that studies fungus, or other fungi fanatics jump on this, I know, I know it's much, much more complex, but me talking about diploid zygospores, had to look that up, um, is nowhere near as entertaining or frankly funny. My point is I made some big assumptions as we are all prone to do, and most of them were incorrect. Now, unless we end up with sentient fungi, I don't suppose this will ever cause me any problems. And for now, it's kind of a fun thing to know. And you never know, it might prove useful in pub quizzes. I do wonder what I'm assuming, though, every day that I could get more clarity on or that I'm completely wrong about. As a coach, I am trained and I practice reflectively to remain as unbiased as possible for my clients. And I ask my clients to challenge their own assumptions. As a supervisor, I do the same with coaches and I will often have discussions with other coaches about bias and their own assumptions or perspective. And the challenges this throws up, particularly when we consider coaching and relating across other cultures or even just working with other cultures. I was speaking with a friend recently who coaches cross-culturally in a country where certain things that I take for granted are not just frowned upon, but are actually illegal. 
I'm very sheltered here, I know that. I'm in the UK, my Somerset home. I am free to support pretty much whatever I like. LGBTQ rights, absolutely. Black Lives Matter, absolutely. I do not get endangered for having views that support these movements, or ways of being, or living. Facts of life. That's not true for all. And as coaches being a safe container for other people's thoughts and feelings and, and ponderings, this brings up some interesting ethical dilemmas. So here, I contract with a client and I am clear to my clients that if they tell me something that is illegal, that they are confessing to a crime, that they will be doing so in the knowledge that I may have to act on that information. If they tell me they've murdered someone, I am going to go to the police. It's in that contracting that we do up front and it removes then the need for assumption. So I don't have to trust that my clients assume that if they admit a crime, that I might hold them to account for it. You know, it's a kind of a, a you tell the police or I will kind of away and it all depend on the crime, obviously. If it was a case of I stole a mascara when I was 12 and I'm now 54, I'm not gonna hold you accountable for that. So what if there was simply a case of a coachee informing their coach that they're gay. Now, to me, that wouldn't be surprising, abnormal, or anything out of the ordinary. No more so than if they shared they were a Catholic or a pagan, or that they liked their scones jam first. Although, of course, secretly, I would be horrified at the last one because it's always cream first. Either way, it's part of life's rich tapestry and information that I would hold as private not mine to share unless I was given express permission to. Now, if I lived and worked in other countries and cultures though, in some cultures, they would be admitting to a crime. In some countries, this is illegal and draws punitive measures, imprisonment or, or worse. So to confirm their sexual orientation to me, that would be an ethical dilemma because where would I be bounded, bounded? Would I be bound by my laws? my values or would I be bound by the laws and values of the country in which my client lived and worked or the country in which the coaching was taking place because all of those things in our global networks now and our zoom callings could be the fact we could be coaching in one country with a coach and a client in two other countries if you were that coach or if you were a manager or an individual what would you do now I massively extol the powers of coaching supervision and I will always do that. So I would be straight off to my supervisor for support and a thinking partner to work through this. Now, of course, I'm wondering, because I am also a supervisor, how would I help that coach? It's tricky, isn't it? And this is where assumptions can cause challenges because we could go into this blindly assuming this is a safe thing and this person could tell me this information and it's a confidential re uh, relationship. But what if that client then goes and tells someone else that they've declared this to you? You would then be holding illegal information that maybe you should have shared. Where does that leave you as a coach? So it gets really messy. Now, this is where contracting is so important in this relationship. It's not just the logistical stuff, the when, where, how, and how much, but the psychological stuff and ethical standards upon which the relationship is built. There's a rule I hold dear, which is to always be contracting, ABC, not accelerator brake clutch for me, but it's always be contracting. And this goes way beyond coaching and supervision. You can use this in a myriad of different ways. I wrote a LinkedIn post recently 
about why, about the question, why? You know, it's the word toddlers get hold of and then use at an unrelenting level for what seems like years. My point is that it's a great question when it comes from a place of genuine interest and curiosity and when it's framed in such a way that explains that. When we're framing a question so the recipient understands the motivation or the intent is a form of contracting. It's, I'm going to ask you this and here's my motivation for doing so. Now that can and does solve a lot of arguments and it does diffuse defensiveness. It's quite a powerful questioning method. I'm not sure it will help much with toddlers though. So um, yeah, I'm sorry, you're on your own there. Now I'm running out of steam, <laughs> I gotta say. It's raining and I still need to walk the dogs and I gotta say I'm avoiding it because um, yeah, I don't feel like getting soggy, but I'm gonna have to. Um, and I do want to get back to the fungi. We share 50% of our DNA with them and we contract many of the same viruses. And that's a fact I find quite mind blowing. A single portobello penis, sorry, mushroom, can contain more potassium than a banana. And it's made up of around 90% water. And that, now <laughs> I hate to say this, although I, I love looking at fungi, I am not a fan of eating mushrooms as food. That's not a euphemism. Apparently there is one that tastes just like fried chicken, also not a euphemism. So I will hold my judgment until I have a chance to try some chicken of the wood, which apparently grows in North America and looks like a buffalo cooked chicken, whatever that happens to be. Now there are 75 species that glow in the dark and there was something called kingdom fungi that's responsible for getting early humans quite drunk and the set off our somewhat pervasive and everlasting relationship with alcohol. Now I can go on all day because actually the more I read, the more weird and wonderful it gets. There's, there's one that accelerates faster than a bullet and there's one that zombifies ants and everything is just absolutely fascinating. It's a whole world that I hadn't appreciated because I hadn't taken any notice because I assumed they weren't that interesting. Now, if you're sceptical, do you have a read um, of any number of the kind of Google results you can get? Go for the scientific ones rather than the, the sort of splashy ad-filled ad ones. BBC Earth has a spectacular page with six bizarre facts, so give it a go. You never know, they might grow on you. <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't resist that. Um, if you like this, hit subscribe to hear more and when I get around to putting them out. Uh, it's about one per fortnight at the moment. So uh, yeah, I'm sorry I'm not more pacey with them. I'd love to hear from you though. If you want to guest with me, I would love, love to have guests on here. So if you have a nature and development related topic that you want to share, please get in touch by mail. It's rachel at coachingnature.co.uk. Or if you just want to check out my website, it's coachingnature.co.uk. There's all sorts of information there about coaching, supervision, and there's some information about my workshops. So until next time, be fun guys.